You're listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.org. Today, Youth Pastor Glenn Wolf will be challenging all of us to get to work. If we truly love God, then we will be all about what He's all about, the harvest. God used 12 disciples to change the world. Now it's our turn. Our scripture text comes from Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 36. Today's message is entitled, What's the Point? Can you turn your Bibles to John chapter 4? John chapter 4. I love my Bible. Anybody just love your word? Man. I love the Bible because it just it helps me speak well. It helps me. I normally, typically, my sermons go better when I preach from the Word. It seems to just. I know it's good, and uh, my marriage goes better when I live by the Word, and I seem to be a better staff guy here at City Church when I live by the Word, and I just seem to be a better Christian when I uh, read the Word. I love the Word. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about the Word because there's just so many incredible stories that we just find. And uh, just one where Jesus commissions the 12 disciples, and he basically is leaving the earth, and he commissions his gospel to these 12 disciples. And it's amazing to me. I just think about this because as I'm even looking at this Bible that is knit and cool looking and kind of a burgundy leather, uh, and you can look at your Bible, uh, that Bible wasn't even completed at that point. Right, And so these disciples have carried out the word so that you can sit in this beautiful air-conditioned building this morning and hear about the good news of God because of these 12 young people that God called. And I just love the idea of this because, I don't know, I just I start to think about, wow, if God could do that with 12 people, there's a lot of people here this morning. If God could do that with those 12 people, and man, you read the word and they messed up and they did dumb things and I do dumb things and we all do, right? And so we don't want to, but sometimes we do. And, and man, even in their imperfections, God used them to bring us to this point that we are today. And as, as far as I'm concerned and as far as the word tells me that the word is not, it doesn't change. The same commission that he's given to his disciples to bring the Christianity to this point, he's giving to you to bring it to the next point. I've entitled this message this morning, What's the Point? Look at your neighbor and just say, what's the point? You know, I was able to play basketball. We had a three-on-three tournament this weekend, and, uh, and, and Greg was actually one of the guys that was playing up here, and uh, I, I kicked his tail in basketball. He said he wanted a rematch, and I was like, Greg, we, we're already having to work. You know, we're already having to pray for you because I beat you. Uh, if we have a rematch, I'm just going to beat you more, and then we're going to have to pray more. So, um, so I said, if you want to pray more, that's fine. We can do that, uh, and we'll just play. And so, uh, but anyway, uh, that was just an incredible time. We had a, we were, it was just a lot of fun. We had a bunch of churches playing. And, uh, but I remember when I was younger in high school, I got on this team, and it was, we were called Team Adidas. And uh, if you know anything about high school, did anybody just play high school sports? All right? Now, high school sports, when you're in high school, it is like the biggest thing in all the world, right? I mean, you're like, NBA player, NBA playoffs, what? Like, I've got a game tonight, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, there's no joke, man. You're, you're like at the mall, and you're just, like, you know, when you're in high school, you're just like, girl, you got to come check out my game, because I'm that good. I play like three minutes, and you got to watch those three minutes. They're going to be so good. You know, we're all about, we're all about, man, I just remember being in high school. I love, man, we're all about sports, and, and, uh, 
I, I got on this team, and I was pretty good in high school, and I was going to play college basketball, and God changed my life. That's a whole other sermon we can talk about another time. But uh, in high school, I got on this team, and the only way you get on this team is either if you're ranked top, top in the state or, uh, or you just play really well against this team. And so I played this team. It was like in some type of playoff state deal. And I just, I, I played incredible. It was one of the best games I ever played. And I knew what was about to happen after that game. Because all of a sudden, Coach Williams, the coach for that team, Adidas, and just a disclaimer, um, that team that I was on, over 50% of that team is now either in the NBA or will be in the NBA next year. It's phenomenal. I've never, I don't think we've ever, I've never seen a high school team that had that many people playing in the NBA right now that, than the team I was on. And uh, we can talk about the names later and uh, all that stuff. But uh, I, I remember when Coach Williams brought me into the side. And, and I don't know if you remember, if you're married here, like getting on one knee. Man, if you remember getting on one knee and your whole stomach is just gone, like everything, you can't eat and that whole deal. Or, or, even, or even maybe the first time you went on a date or even the first time you held a girl's hand or something, you're just like, Right, you just get, and that, that, that feeling, or even the first time when you just kind of checked off the box, hey, do you like me, you know, just kind of slide that over there. Don't lie, some of y'all do that still, you're, you're like, a, you're at Arby's and you're like, hey man, uh, <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> and uh, that same feeling I was getting with this man, and that's weird, just in general, that same feeling. And so that's not what I'm talking about. But there was this man, his name is Coach Williams, and he was awesome. And uh, so he pulls me aside, and, and I'm kind of nervous because I know what's about to happen because he's about to pop the question, you know. And, and I'm not talking about that, you know, but just the question about being on the team. And so he says, Glenn, you played really good out there. Oh, thanks. thanks, Coach. You know, I was, I was about 14 or 15. And uh, he said, you played really good out there. He said, uh, you want to be on our team? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I do. He said, great. We're leaving tomorrow. We're going to Las Vegas. Okay. He, I said, what do you mean? He said, we're leaving tomorrow. Our, our plane leaves at 9, 9 in the morning. Uh, be at the Orlando International Airport by 9 o'clock. Right, parents? And we left right to Las Vegas, and it was crazy. And we got t- Adidas, because of all the NBA's players that were on our team, and we knew, a couple of them went straight out of high school. One of them was Amari Stoudemire. He was on our team. And uh, if you know anything about him, he signed a $100, $100 million uh, shoe deal with Adidas right when he got out of our team. So Adidas was after him. And there was quite a few others. Um, and anyway, so Adidas paid for everything. It was phenomenal. We went to the Bronx. We went to Las Vegas. We went to Michigan. I mean, we were all over the place. We didn't have to pay for anything. It was an incredible time. And I remember getting on this team, and I didn't quite even understand why I was on the team and all that stuff. But I was on there for about six months. And I, at first, I played a little bit. And I actually got some playing time. probably got about a quarter a game. And then as, 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 the, as I stayed on the team longer, all of a sudden, my playing time went down and down and down until finally I was playing about a minute. And I didn't quite understand why. And, and, you know, and I'm a team player. And if you know anything about sports, I mean, these guys that were on my team are no joke. Like, I mean, it was, it was crazy, the games that I was in. I mean, we would literally, you would have like, you know, you would have the Duke, the Duke scout right there. And then you would have like the Houston Rockets scout right up there with a video camera. And it was just, it was amazing. Just, uh, we even, we, we, we played LeBron James about four or five times in high school. Uh, that was, a, our team was the number one rival against LeBron James when he was in high school. I, I, it was just a phenomenal thing I was able to be a part of. And, uh, and so anyway, so we went, we were there. And, uh, and, and after about six or seven months, I just, I, I, I wasn't playing at all. And Coach Williams kept getting mad at me. And you know, for me, I just wanted to pass the ball. I just kind of wanted to be the team player, and all these guys were incredible, and I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to benefit the team by not really doing anything and just playing defense and passing the ball, so I was going to pass the ball, and then my, my playing time went down until finally Coach Williams, he, I can't put it any better besides he just 
he punched me in the face with his words. That's the best way I could put it, just very nicely or whatever. And so he's very passionate in the choice of words that he uses towards his anger, towards my playing ability. And uh, he finally pulls me aside and he goes, Glenn, shoot the ball. And because it was this last time where I had a wide open three-pointer and I just, and I passed it up because I wanted to be a team player. And he literally, he, he went on the court and grabbed me off the court, like by my jersey and, and literally threw me into a back room, just about. And so I'm ready, honestly, like I'm young and he's big and like just mean. And uh, I, I was ready to like just pee, just honestly. I was like, I need to use the restroom, sir. I just, can I? And so he pulls me back there and he pulls me to the thing and he goes, he says this to me, he goes, why do you even think you're on this team? He said, what do you think the point of you being on this team is? And you know, up until that point, I never even thought about why they even wanted me on the team. I never even thought about my role. I had been on the team for about six or seven months and I still had no idea even what I was aiming towards. And I believe that just in, in, our, in Christianity in general, we do the same thing. Maybe you're here and you've been a believer for a year, maybe even 10 years, and you still even don't even know what we're after, the point of what we do. Isn't, and I just see this. I see people that just prayer, kind of, they just kind of pray aimless prayers, kind of worship, just not really know, just kind of out there and live just kind of broad. And, and so Coach Williams, he comes to me and he goes, I don't want you to leave this room until you figure out what the point is. And he said, I don't want you to leave here. And then when you come out, you better tell me. And of course, I got kind of like ADD. So I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm counting the light bulbs. And then, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I got, I got to get the point. Get the point. And then I look down at my shoes and I'm like, dude, these kicks are awesome. Can I, I wonder if they have these in blue. You know, I'm like, oh, I mean, the, okay, the point. That's right. Okay, get back to the point. And then I'm like, is that a Nutrigrain bar? You know, I'm just like, man. Can I? Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the point, the point. That's right, that's right. And so finally I came back to the point, and then I gave him the wrong answer, which is never good if you ever played high school sports. You don't give coach the wrong answer. You know what I'm saying? And so I come back out, and I'm, like, so confident. I'm like, coach, I got your answer, man, already. What is it? I'm going to benefit the team. That's what, that's what I'm called to do. And he goes, no, Glenn. You're called to shoot the ball. And then, and then, of course, he makes this, this very simple thing. He goes, do you not realize you're the only white guy on this team? And he goes, white people shoot the ball. And I'm like, and I'm like no, 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 I dunk. He's like, you don't dunk. You shoot the ball. I'm like, I dunk, man. He's like, you shoot the ball. And then and if you know anything about sports, he, he starts talking to me, and, and, if you, and this, this is going to make sense, especially to the sporting people, and just let's all be sport people right now, okay, just for the sake of this. But if I don't shoot the ball, my man begins to play off of me, which clogs it up for everybody else on the team. So the whole time, I thought I was just being broad and just kind of like aimless in what my point of being on the team was. The re, for, for the fact that my goal, my role as the, as the player was to shoot the ball because when I begin to shoot the ball, my man has to play me, which frees it up for every other person on my team. So when I begin to shoot the ball, my friends begin to dunk more. You get that? And so we pick up in John chapter four and Jesus is teaching us what the point is. 
What is the point of what we do? Lights and, and PowerPoint and pews and an altar call and Bibles and TBQ and uh, city kids and wide open and just everything, any, any ministry, uh, just everything you can think of, the church property, keeping it nice, everything. There's a point to it, and there's one simple point to it, and we find this in John chapter 4. Jesus is teaching us about what the point is. Jesus comes up to a Samaritan woman, and actually, I'm sorry, the Samaritan woman comes up to him, but he already knows he's going to be there with the Samaritan, because he, right, he's Jesus. Okay, you got that? Like, he already knows that she's going to be there, and so he plant. Okay, got it. All right, we're all there. Okay, so, we, and then we find, in John chapter 4, verse 7, the Samaritan woman comes up to him, and we pick up right there. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink. His disciples had gone in to buy, uh, to the town to buy some food. Then the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you even ask me for a, for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. But Jesus answered, I love this. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Okay, now this is the point where she's just like, okay, I'm not sure who you are. I was just trying to get a drink. Like, Living water, I, is, that, is that a new drink? Uh, I, don't, I don't quite get that. I was just trying to get a drink. He said, no, I'm trying to give you living water. And it kind of intrigues her. And then, and then we keep reading in verse 12, or I'm sorry, verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't go thirsty again and have to keep coming to draw water. And then he says this to her. He said, go call your husband and come back. And she says in verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. And the man you are now living with isn't even your husband. And then we get back to the woman at the well, and she's like, okay, I was just trying to get a drink, you know. Like, I don't know. Like, I, okay, I get this. Okay, you're, you are somebody awesome, and you just read me my whole deal. She said, I'm already taking of your living water. Like, you just, why did, what was the point of that? And then for the sake of time, we move down to verse 25. And the woman says, you know what? I know, I heard that a Messiah called Christ is coming. And then Jesus leans over to her and he says, I am he. Think about the point that even Jesus is making before I even get to where we're at. He went into Samaria and not only that, to a Samaritan woman he's not even supposed to go to. Think about how overwhelmed this woman was. Five husbands. Ladies, imagine what this woman was feeling. Falls in love with a man, gets married. Heartbroken. Falls in love with another man. Heartbroken. And did you not even notice? She was so broken that she just gave up. The last man she wasn't even married to. She was done. This is who Jesus gave up his lunch for. This is the point of what we do on why we do what we do. And then, and then he, he, he teaches his disciples here, and this is where I want to end here. He teaches his disciples. That they're coming back, and then, uh, and then he says, Rabbi, why are you even talking to this woman? Why are you even meeting? Did you eat or what happened? And then he says this in verse 32. He said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Just underline that. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? And then he says, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his 
work. And then he gets to the point on why we do everything. Get this. This everything falls right here, right now. Every young person, every adult, everybody in this room. The point of Christianity right here. He sums it up right here. Here it is. Okay, we're ready for this. We've got to underline this. He says, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields for they are ripe for harvest. Jesus is is speaking to you even right now and saying, listen, the point of everything we do, the offering that we just took, why we would give to missions, why we would have a band, why we would invest in lights to reach more people, why we would uh, just even give away over 6,000 water bottles three weeks ago. The whole point is for the souls of, of humanity. Jesus is all about the harvest. He's all about the harvest. And I'm telling you, while the disciples were worried about what they were going to do that week and how they were going to get their stomachs full, Jesus was proving them and us a point that it is all about souls. Somebody just say souls. We've got to understand, listen, ministry is awesome and order of services is awesome and having a message and worship and video, that's all awesome. But the whole point of it is for people to walk this aisle. The whole point of you being, man, you've got to just look at your job and understand that the whole point of you being in that job is for souls. God has commissioned you and placed you in your area. He's proving to us that it's all about the harvest. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, and we're going to give you three keys to the harvest. And then we'll be finished this morning. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Here Jesus goes again, reassuring his point. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw the crowds of people that were lost and did not know him yet, he began to break down and have compassion on them. You know, I was thinking, uh, my wife, we just bought a Wii console just a couple weeks, actually last week or something like that. Anybody own a Wii? You know the, Right? And, and my wife, she really wanted a Wii, and about three weeks ago, um, she started to share with me her heart about this Wii console. And uh, so literally, by the end of this, I was like, she, at first, she's like, can we get a Wii? No. Because I don't know about you, but I just love saving money. I just, I enjoy it. I enjoy, I, this is crazy, but I, I enjoy going to Best Buy and looking at like a video game console and then being like, how much is that? That'd be cool. I'm not going to buy that. I just saved myself $400. And then I walk over to like the LED new flat screen TV that's like the size of a penny or something. It's ridiculous. And I just look at that. It's like $18.99. I'm just like, man, I just saved $2,500 walking in here. I, just, I could walk out there and I'm like, man, I'm richer just because I just didn't spend that money. I just, I enjoy, I'm telling you, maybe it's just my dad. My dad's the same way. He likes to save money. I just love, and I love saving money. I just enjoy it. It's just fun. I just, it's good. And uh, so my wife, she starts sharing with me her heart for this Wii console. And so she's like, babe, it's going to grow our ministry. You don't understand. We could have like Holy Ghost Wii parties. She's like, we can learn teamwork as we play ping pong on the Wii. So we could bring young people over that are new and we'd have something in common with them. The, ho- the Holy Spirit wants this Wii. 
In fact, in fact, God created it. And I'm like, I never thought of it like that. I just, that is, that is good. And of course, about three weeks later, after hearing my wife's heart about the we, I go in, buy a we. Here's the point. After hearing my wife's heart about this, I am so in love with my wife that I am all about what she's about. And if she's about this we enough, then I'm going to be all about it. And if next week, if she is all about mountain biking down Airport Boulevard, you're going to see me and my wife mountain biking. I don't even know what that means. We don't even have mountains, but... You're going to see me and my wife out there. We're going to get mountain bikes, and we're going to start to do that. Because I'm all about what my wife's about. Because of my love for her. And can I just, can we just get this real quick? Here's the point. God is all about the harvest. And if you are really in love with God, you will be all about the harvest. As I read the word and I hear God's heart for the lost, as I begin to hear it more, I say, man, Wow. I gotta, I gotta have a heart more for the lost. Three keys to winning the harvest here that we see in, in Matthew chapter nine, verse 37. Let's read it together. It says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It says, ask the Lord for the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. First, the first key to winning the harvest is this. We must believe for the harvest. Everybody say, believe. believe. You gotta believe. What does that word say? It says, the harvest is plentiful. Not maybe not next year, not only in 2009, and not, no, no, no. The harvest is plentiful. What did, what did we just read in John chapter 4? Jesus said, we don't wait four months from now. The harvest is now. And he says, open your eyes. What was he talking about? He wasn't talking about, like, the disciples weren't walking around like this. And then, oh my goodness, oh, all these people here. No, no, we were seeing people. What he was speaking to them was, open your eyes of faith and start to see the harvest. We need to begin to open our eyes at our, at our jobs and in our, in our family and begin to see the harvest. The harvest is here. We've got to believe for it. I love what, uh, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. It says, if you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I love what it says also in Mark chapter 5. There, there, was, this, uh, there was this, actually this dead girl in Mark chapter 5. And uh, they had commotion because she was already dead. And then Jesus walks over and he says, hey, what are you guys even complaining about? Or what are you guys even talking about? And they said, she's dead. And he said, if you would just simply believe, it's done. And all of a sudden they begin to believe. And that, that dead girl rose. We've got to believe for the harvest. Amen? Number two, we've got to pray for the harvest. What does the Bible say? It says, ask the Lord for the harvest. Who's, who's the Lord of the harvest? Who loves the harvest? Who's all about the harvest? Somebody said we are. If you said we are, you're right, okay? If you did that, I'm just gonna give you five right here, okay? We're just, we're together, all right? We are all about the harvest because God's all about the harvest, right? Okay, so second thing we gotta do, we've gotta pray. Everybody say, we've got to pray. Thank you, Austin. Man, prayer, just write this down. Those that undervalue prayer, undervalue God. Those that undervalue prayer, undervalue God. Prayer 
is incredible. It's not something we, we have prayer at Saturday nights at 5.30, and I encourage every person to be involved in that. Just come once a month at least. Just be involved in what's going on. It'll keep you in the harvest, I promise, as you begin to just set aside time. But listen, prayer is not just an hour on Saturday night. It is who we are. It's our communication. It's our communion with God. Somebody say amen. And I love this idea because prayer is not quantity. It's not about how much quantity you have, but it's quality. It's, it's man, be where you are. And if you are in prayer, be in prayer. A lot of times, and I, and I'm, I could sometimes be the biggest uh, person on this, but I'll open up the Bible and then start to be thinking about my day. Man, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. All of a sudden I leave there, amen. I read a verse, I read a couple chapters, and I have no idea what I even read. You know what I'm saying? We've gotta be there. Man, when you, when you go to pray, don't just start in, Pray. Take the time and pray and intercede for the harvest. Somebody say amen. I love what Ezra chapter 8 verse 23 says. It says, so we fasted, fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I tell you that if two, on you, two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you with my Father in heaven. Keenan, go ahead and come to the keys. Give me that Barry White, baby. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. It says, if you believe, which we just read earlier, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Prayer is powerful. We've got to be people of prayer. Somebody say amen. amen. I love this. Acts chapter, ooh, this is so good. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. It says this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Ooh, man. Okay, we're going to try this again, okay? Because then I just want you to give me this, like, just come on. That's good, all right? Just, we're going to do that together. Right, I'm going to sing that. I'm going to sing this. What am I talking about? I'm going to say this. Right here, okay? Acts chapter 4. Just give me a good, just come on, man. All right, here we go. We're just, oh, harvest, baby. Okay, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Oh, man. I love it. I love it. And then it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Some of us, man, we need to speak the word of God more boldly. And you know what that starts with? Prayer. We've got to begin to pray for the harvest and intercede and be burdened. I'm telling you, the people I want, I want around me and in my life are people that know how to pray. Man, our senior pastor knows how to pray. I, I'm thankful that we have a senior pastor like that. You better believe I can always kind of tell who I want, where I want to go to church because if I feel like the senior pastor couldn't even pray me out of cancer or whatever, I don't know if I really would want to go there because I want somebody who knows how to pray around me. Amen. We've got to begin to pray for the harvest. And lastly, we've got to go get the harvest. What does it say in Matthew chapter 9? It says, okay, so we started the harvest is plentiful. We've got to believe for the harvest. Then it says, ask the Lord for the harvest, right? We've got to pray for the harvest. And then the Bible says to send out laborers. Any laborers here this morning? Come on, you can do this. Send out laborers. We've got to go get the harvest. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. We, I said it earlier, but Jesus says to you, therefore, all, he says, all authority in heaven I'm giving to you. Therefore, go. Say go. go. And make. Say make. make. Disciples. Disciples. That's what you're commissioned to do. Every person here. Sometimes we get this leadership idea that like the leaders of the church are called to grow the church. You know what our senior pastor is called to do? Question me on this. Look it up this week, please. Our senior pastor, every single pastor really, to be an overseer, you know what he's called to do? He's called to equip us to do the work of the ministry. He's called to equip us. I have, I, I, people come up to me sometimes and they're like, man, I'm struggling with this. I'm like, have you prayed about it? 
No. And so somehow I'm, like God loves me so much that because I'm praying, you can't pray. No, God has equipped you. Why are we here on Sunday morning? To get equipped to reach, to reach souls, right? We're here. I mean, we need to be grabbing the word out of pastor every Sunday. Pastor, give me something that I can leave here with and change somebody with. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's what we're going after. Somebody say amen now. Come on. We need that. We've got to go get the souls. Go ahead, Keenan. You know, everybody, what I notice is everybody wants to stay back at the barn while other people are in the harvest. You know what happens when you stay at the barn? Right, the barn? Okay, you got it. You all of a sudden start bickering about what the color of the barn is. Uh, the barn is, and then, and then the barn gets too hot or too cold, and then it, too long, too short. And I'm telling you, I see this. I can just tell. People that are not in the harvest, they all of a sudden, all of a sudden the church inside, because we are saved. There might be a couple people here, and you might have the opportunity this morning to give your heart to the Lord, but most of us, 95% of us, we're saved. Why are we bickering about stuff in our own church when there's people dying and going to hell? What I know, what I notice is that people that are in the harvest, they could really care less about small stuff. What, what the color of the wall is or, okay, there's four more lights up here. So what? If that's going to reach more souls, let's do it. If that's going to reach a young person, we just saw that video, man, let's do it. Amen? And I'm just telling you, we, we've got to go get the souls. And you know, before I get into my story here, uh, you know, I just have this mentality that just, you know what, if no other pastor will step up, I will. I just have this mentality and faith that if no other church will step up in Sanford, we will. I'm not saying anything against any other church, but I'm not, I'm not waiting on them or anybody else. I just believe that God's called us. God's called me and God's called you. And, amen. We've got to go and get the souls. And I'm telling you, you need to have a tenacity in you that just says, you know what? If no other family will step up, me and my wife, me and my kids, we're going to reach somebody. If, no other, if nobody else will just stay focused on God and his heart for the lost, you know what? I will. I'm going to stay. And here's the deal. A lot of people, they'll start in the harvest, maybe even this week as we give an altar call. You might start in the harvest. But what I find is a lot of people, they don't like to stay in the harvest. You've got to get around people that love to stay in the harvest. And the people that want to come back to the barn, man, just get away from them. Because we are about the harvest. Is the harvest hard? Yes. Are you going to be ridiculed? Yes. Are you going to be persecuted, maybe vocally or whatever? Yes. But we're following our, our king unto death. We've died to self. Somebody gives us a bad word or a bad name or cusses us out. And we want to stop loving them. Come on. God loves them so much. God loves them so much. He's all about the harvest. I heard this story, and I want to read this really quickly as we close. And so the three keys to the harvest, I want to make sure we get this, is to believe for the harvest, pray for the harvest, and get the harvest. And I heard this, I heard this story about a man named Chad. And uh, on Chad's 18th birthday, everybody just pay attention. All they're doing is going like this, all right? I know it's hard. On Chad's 18th birthday, he enrolled in the army. And uh, they shipped him overseas, and, and uh, he was over there for about two to three years, and his mom did not hear anything from him. His mom was wondering where Chad was, the whole deal. And uh, all of a sudden, three years later, Chad, or, I'm sorry, Chad's mother gets a phone call from Chad. Says, hello? Hey, mom, this is Chad. 
Chad, I haven't heard from you in three years. What happened? I, I didn't change addresses. What? what uh, yeah, well, mom, it just, you know, I just, I, I wasn't able to call and this and this. And Well, Chad, when are you going to be coming home? And Chad says, well, actually, mom, that's what I'm calling about. I'm actually coming home this week. Oh, man, Chad, that's incredible. Uh, it's going to be so good to see you. I'm going to call over uncles and aunts, and we're going to get like a big, huge party. And when, you, when exactly are you coming home? And Chad gives him the day, gives her, his mom the day, and she says, oh, man, it's going to be incredible. We're going to get everything ready. I'm so excited to hear you. He says, Mom, there's only one thing. So Chad says, I've got this friend with me that I want us to take in. Chad, whatever. I, I, baby, I haven't seen you in three years. I don't care what friend it is. Just bring him, whatever. I just want to see you. And Chad goes, Mom, I, I don't think you understand. I, I want to bring him in permanently to live with us. He goes, uh, Mom, my friend has... One arm, one leg, and one eye. He got into an accident, Mom. And he has nobody. He has no family. He has no friends to go to. I want us to take him in. And of course, Chad's mom said, Now, Chad, I, I, baby, don't get me wrong. I, I, we could take him for a month, but we, we, can't, we can't take him any longer. I mean, ba- we don't even have an extra room, Chad. I just, I don't see how we can do this. I just, we don't have the ability to be able to handle something like that. He said, okay, I, I understand. And, okay, I love you. I love you too. And they hung up. Three days later, Chad's mom gets a phone call. And uh, she finds out that Chad had committed suicide. And he jumped out of his A-story room and died on impact. And his mom began to weep and couldn't understand it. And, and then not only that, but then she had to do the unfathomable. Of course, they told her that, that he, she would have to identify the body. You have to identify your son. And so five days goes by and they, they ship his body back over. And so she comes up to the coffin. Just broken. And she opens up that coffin and she sees Chad with one arm, one leg, and one eye. And she begins to weep because she just realized that she rejected her own son. And I, I just, I have this crazy thought, but if, if she was here today, I just think she would say these words. If I would have just loved people as much as I love my son, my family would be bigger today. I just believe that she would be screaming it out to us this morning. If I would have just loved people as much as I love my own, my family would be here today. And I just felt like when I read that, that that was exactly what this is all about this morning. Because if you would just love people as much as you love God, this family would be bigger. This church body would be bigger. God is all about souls. The point of him coming on the cross and dying for souls, for the harvest. And he's wanting to send you out this morning. This morning, what we're going to do is, just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And actually, our young people have already done this. And this actually represents, and the first service has already done this also, but this represents about over 8,000 people that we are believing for this year. We're believing for it. Listen, right now you're thinking it's not possible. Just break that off right here. Don't we, I'm just telling you, we have so much vision, okay? 
Don't, don't, don't look at this building and see it packed out right now and say, okay, that's not possible. We're believing. 8,000. Our young people are full of faith right now. 8,000. And what we're going to do as a declaration this morning is we're going to start this thing out and we're going to believe for souls. And what I want you to do is we're going to turn down the lights because I just don't want anybody focusing on anybody else and just the house lights. And we're going to take about a minute and I want you to just begin to think about a number of how many people you can reach for Christ this year. When I talk about this year, I'm talking about really just this school year all the way up until next summer. How many people will you win for Christ? I don't mean, I don't mean how many people this church will win for Christ. I don't even mean how many people that pastor will win for Christ inside of an altar call. I'm talking about you winning people to Christ and doing what God has called you to do. How many people are you going to win for Christ this year? I want you to take about 30 seconds, every person in this room. Don't think this is only for young people. This is for every single person in this room. Take about 30 seconds. I believe God's going to give you a number. We're going to have you stand, and I want you just to come and write on this, and you can hand it to one of our leaders, and we're going to put it all over this, this wall here. Just take about 20 more seconds. Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for just a faith to fall in this place. Just like your word says in Matthew chapter 9, God, we are believing that it is here and for the taking. I pray for faith to rise right now. Thanks for listening to this message, What's the Point? with the youth pastor, Glenn Wolf. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.org or call 407-321-9600. 